Hey you, are you ready? Grab your pack, grab your tent, grab your gear. Jump in. We're going on an adventure. In Arizona, there's so much to see, so much to experience. At GCU, adventure is never too far away. Offering over 200 academic programs with a Christian worldview and nestled in the heart of Phoenix, you can earn your degree in fewer than four years and explore everything Arizona has to offer. Find your purpose at GCU. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash azroadtrip. We say what they can't radio. Good afternoon. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. We are One World Fast Radio, OneWorldFastGlobal.com, brought to you by WeSayWhatTheyCan'tDotCom radio station. And today, we are filling in for our normal hosts, Kamel Ellis and Lisa Ray. They are on vacation. I'm Nif Logic, Nifateria Jones, and here we have OJ. What's up? What's up? Our co-host for today, we have an esteemed guest, Bianca. Hi. Hello. So today we're going to go on and on about our Border Patrol project that we have coming out. It's a mixtape that we have to celebrate music worldwide, all types of music. So we're going to, you know, say hello to... Hey, guys. So, yes, as Nifetiri mentioned, we are talking about a One World mixtape coming out soon. I don't have the date just yet, but the the One World mixtape is coming out. And... You know, the whole inspiration behind the project is music is such a, you know, our universal language and always a music, um, music barrier. You know, mm-hmm. I think music's a way to, to break down barriers and which is why we wanted to do it. So for me, I think music has broken down barriers in so many ways between different groups of people. If I like rock music, I can hang out with different people, hip hop or, Latin music. I think mm-hmm. it's just a way for people to express themselves, but also com- communicate at the same time, even if it's not in the same language. Well, today we have Bianca. We'll ask you, you know, where are you from and what type of music do you do? Um, so I'm from Pennsylvania originally. And um, in terms of music, um, I listen to all types of music from eclectic to hip hop to um, classical music. Um and I produce music video content in all the genres. Okay, so you produce music videos. Yes. Okay. So uh, what is your family um, ethnic background? So um, my family is Italian-American. They're Italian, but I also have a, I have a deep feeling. <laughs> that I, have, I have a theory about Bianca's family. She doesn't want to admit it, that her, her grandfather came in on a boat, like, I don't know, a hundred years ago, and... He, on the boat, he was so young, he learned Italian on the boat. So, oh. so on the way, but he just, by the time he got to America, he just assumed he was Italian. <laughs> <laughs> so you tried to say he, got, he became Italian on the boat on the yeah, way to America. I have, I, have, I have a theory she's actually Greek. Because <laughs> her name is uh, Zola, which is a very Greek name, or maiden name, Zola. But her dad is definitely Italian, but I have a feeling you might be half Greek. I, you really need to do 21 Yeah, it might be me. time for 23 and me, I yeah, think. Yeah, 23 and me. Well, I want to ask our co-host just one question, and yes. I want you to follow up with the answer as well. The International Cipher Border Patrol Project, it aims to um, provide a platform to break down, you know, many walls in music. You know, how can music be used um, to bring people together? You know, elaborate a little bit more. Oh, my gosh. Music brings so many people together. Have you seen a festival? Uh, have you seen a Coachella or um, Global Music Fest? I think that when you go to those crowds, you see so many different 
different types of people, especially younger people. You know, I think back in the day, I think you had different things like Woodstock or like um, Warp Tour, different things that like different groups. You had versus Summer Jam. It'd be a very different mm-hmm. crowd versus Summer Jam versus uh, Woodstock. But I think nowadays, I think the music is bringing everyone together. I think when you go to like a Coachella or one music fest, um, they're all there's all types of people there. You see Spanish, you see Muslim, you see Indian, you see Greek, you see Italian, you see Black, you see African American, you see just African African. Um, there's all types of people there, um, which is really cool because back in the day it wasn't like that. So I think we're in a different time where people can see that you know everyone's a melting pot and blending and biracial this and this that and all types of ish and um that's i think i that's what i like about today's time and then and, and what music does and bianca how do you feel especially being that you produce the content you know for music videos how do you feel that music you know brings people together so what i think is really fascinating about music in the modern age is that we're no longer segregated to different genres i feel like everyone listens to a variety of music and recently i went to a um a, like a toy festival with like um <clears throat> cause and like all those different like neat toys and it was interesting to see people from all different um like backgrounds like all having like the same like love for toys and skateboards and it's like punk music and hip-hop and everyone's very blended anymore everything's very multicultural and i think like cool is just cool as opposed to um you know 15 years ago when people had categories and based on the music you listened to was based on the way you dressed and based on the people you spent your time with now I feel like it's very, very blended, and I think Coachella is a great example of, yeah. like, you know, you'll you'll hear, you know, Beyonce followed by Weezer, and everyone's loving it. Yeah, everyone's like here for both. I'm like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. here for Beyonce, Weezer, then they'll go to um, 50 Cent, and then it could be like, you know, Fall Out Boy. It's, it's all <laughs> over the place. And then mentioning the cipher, the cipher also um, supports immigration. What are some of you guys' experience with immigration or immigrants, you know? I mean, you're all immigrants, but you know, with some year. For me, I went to high school with a lot of illegal immigrants. I think my valedictorian, who, my friend Edgar, who you know, um, mm. he was a valedictorian. He was, he's still currently an illegal immigrant. And, um, he got into Harvard, he got into Yale. And I just remember it being just the saddest thing that he couldn't go to any of those schools because he's an illegal immigrant. Wow. And, um, so, that's my my direct you know contact with like immigration being a problem and seeing the issues of it and um i think that's a big problem when you have someone so talented and so smart and they're being held back because of their status yeah the immigration status how about you brianca um when um the the town that i grew up in experienced a, a large influx of illegal immigrants and um, it was just really challenging to see, like, how, you know, getting everyone organized. And I think that, um, you know, Im- I think that immigrants come here to seek a better life. And it's hard to, to imagine that they experience so much backlash and that, you know, it's really, really hard to integrate and that we make it so difficult to be a part of this country. Um, you know, we, we saw with we, we have a really good friend from Poland who was unable oh, yeah. to get 
um, you know, any kind of visa to stay here. We have another friend from Scotland, Scotland who is still, who, who was illegal until not too long ago. Yeah, they both had to get married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. And, you know, it's great that we bring that up because sometimes we hear so much on the news about, you know, the Mexicans and especially with the whole border. No, it's not just Mexicans. It's not. It's, not. it's you know, people f- from all over the world who comes to the United States. Yeah, no, I just had to go to Poland bad. last week for a, a union. <laughs> I was in Poland just for like, you know, one of our good one of our good friends, Magdalena, um, who's actually in the One World campaign along with Ben Jay from Scotland. Um, yeah, they both had to get married this year recently. Just to, not that they both got married out of status, but they luckily, you know, that just came love came with immigration status as well. Um, and it's sad, you know, and you, you think, you would think, you know, blonde, white girl is going to be easy for her. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it wasn't at all. She can't, she can't work here still. It's going to take months. And even our friend Benjay, he had to do the service industry just to, you know, make ways meet. He can't have a full career just yet with, based on his status. So it kind of puts you, it, kinda, it puts your life on hold when all you have all that red tape. And we normally don't hear too much about um, other nationalities having to deal with, you know, the immigration status or the, uh, the struggles it takes to become a citizen of the United States. We know, you know, on the news, it's always a target of a one target. You know, yeah, no, I mean, group. yes, the Mexican so, community has it really bad, and they are a target of the government. But, no, it's a worldwide issue for immigrants, you know, from all countries. And Bianca, do you have anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's just a matter of the fact that our immigration system is not straightforward, even to people who have the means to afford a lawyer and to go through the process. If it's if it's hard for someone with you know um, resources, an an ample amount of resources to get you know citizenship I, I can only imagine what it's like for people who are coming from underprivileged places to try and get the appropriate information they need to make the right that's steps. such a good point yeah because both of our friends had the resources yeah, to, to very much obtain so. lawyers and file the proper paperwork and do everything they need to do and it's still you, and like still you say, it takes years, years and years and they're still not there's no, neither, yeah, of them. neither one of them still yeah. yeah even though they're both married now still they still don't have their status. And I want to ask you guys, are you a fan of any type of artists outside of the U.S.? You know, who are they and how did you hear about them? Um, ooh, okay. I mean, besides Drake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Adele, you ever heard of her? <laughs> UK in the house. Um, no, I have so many, I'm trying, I, well, you know what's so cool? I, I've been listening to the new Beyonce album, which is not really an album, the Lion King soundtrack, and she made it a point to, Include a lot of international artists on the on the record because you know Lion King's based in Africa, so mm-hmm. she went out her way to include a lot of cool people from Africa that I never heard of. So I I love that, and so I've been kind of like trying to check those people out. And how about you, Bianca? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I like a variety of artists. Um, right now I'm I'm really liking. Um, well, you're you're a big. Tattoo fan growing up <laughs> in Russia. <laughs> I was, yes. I definitely was a tattoo fan in the early 2000s. I know. I'm showing your age. <laughs> you are. Um, and you know what I find so um, so enlightening is that American music, what they you know we call it crossover music. Yeah. It tends to go internationally, but music you know in other countries don't tend to 
come over here, mm-hmm. you know, the way we spread other places. It's very – it happens. It happens. It does happen, but it's very rare. Like, you'll see, like, you know, maybe every five years there's a crossover artist from, like, a from a deep Eastern European country or, like, even, like, DJ Guetta and Calvin Harris. They're all – big names now, but they're all Eastern European imports from Calvin Harris by way of Sweden and I think – I forget where Guetta's from, but um, he's not from here. Um, but they're all huge artists now, which is, you know, really interesting. So it's harder, I know, for more ethnic artists, per se, to break through. I haven't, I haven't yet to hear traditional African artists or there's a few Jamaican artists have, who have broken mm-hmm. through, which, you know, it's amazing. Um, but no, you have to hear like an African artist break through. But right now, the big wave, I think, is, um, Latin music is having such a huge um, surge right now, which makes me so happy. Um, we're getting great reggaeton artists from J Balvin and Bad Bunny, mm-hmm. um, from Ozuna, who I love. Uh, even Becky G is killing it. Shout out to Becky G. Um, yeah, so many cool Latin artists. And I'm like, even because I, I own a website called thenocturnal.com, plug um, and we're covering a lot of those really cool Latin artists right now, which I'm really excited about. Okay, that sounds. Uh, I heard of the you know website, <laughs> the Nocturnal website, you know, and that's a big thing that you know we here at One World Fest we aim to do. We want to make sure, especially with music, um, and bringing that to the next generation, um, music from all over the world. You know, this international cipher will highlight not only artists. But production as well. Some artists are writing um, new material, and the the thing that I see is that a lot of people are going independent as far as um, how they're being approaching the music scene. They're oh, not yeah. really going like more mainstream. Oh yeah, they're definitely going independent. Um, I mean, I also work at a record label. Um, I work at Sony Music, which is probably one of the biggest labels, if not the biggest label in the world. And a lot of times we, what I do is I take, I manage a lot of our smaller indie labels that we have have absorbed and it's teaching them that process of being independent to going to a corporate uh, way of lifestyle. And it's, you know, it could be challenging at times, but I get the appeal of independence in this business, especially in this new wave of like, you know, no one uses CDs anymore. Um, everything's digital. You can go straight to iTunes, you go straight to Spotify, SoundCloud. Um, so this, you know, there's pros and cons of being like, you don't have that, in the, like that record label support, but then you get, you know, all your money's direct. So you kind of like, it's either, you pick your battle. Yeah. You can either like do all the work that it takes to be independent or you sign to a bigger label and they do the work, but then they get a bigger, bigger cut of your money. So <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, pick your battle. And what would be some of your advice to artists who definitely want to be, you know, or some of the international artists that want to come over here or some American artists that want to go international? Um, well, every record label has an international branch. So from Universal, I, I, I just read in the news the other day, Nas just signed a big deal with Universal India to yeah. start having artists in India be a thing, and uh, which is really cool. Shout out to Nas. Um, so, you know, there are record labels in your countries that are connected to record labels out here. So I would start there. I would say start big in your, you know, claim your home base. Mm-hmm. Conquer that, and then 
think about going international. And Bianca, can you give um, give us some insight on the type of music that you have, um, music videos that you have produced and the people you have worked with in the past? Yeah, so I produce, produce video content for um, so many different artists from um, uh, uh, an indie rock group called the Mr. Wives to um, the uh, rap group from Queens called World's Fair um, to um, like lyric videos for larger projects like J-Lo. Um, so I've really run the gamut and worked with a, a, a diverse group of artists. In terms of, you know, I think that just <clears throat> in terms of artists trying to get themselves out there, I think that international artists have it so much better these days because of streaming and because of the Instagram. Like, yeah. it's yeah. so easy. It's so much easier to uh, to connect. It is, but it's also easier and harder at the same time because there's so much out there. There's so much content. Harder to stand out. Yeah, it's harder to stand out because everyone's an artist. Everyone is everything now. Everyone's an influencer. Everyone's a mm-hmm. photographer. Everyone's a manager. Everyone's a makeup artist. There's just like an influence of an influx of everything because of the internet. People are, you know, are now putting themselves out there as their talent that they want to be. So, yes, there's an opportunity now to be seen because of the internet, but it's also so much harder to get noticed. And I know we opened the show talking about, uh, you know, International Cypher. Again, that's called Border Patrol, and that will be coming, you know, really soon. But I would like to discuss some of the international um, headlines that's going on, like what's going on in Hong Kong, um, what's going on with the Amazon rainforest, and mind you, um, that rainforest burning down, that's 20% of our oxygen levels that it yeah, produces. Yeah, it's kind of so, scary. Yeah. It's so, very um, scary. I mean, watching the news is so daunting. Uh, it's just one frightening headline after the other. Um, specifically with the Amazon rainforest, we've had such an influx in forest fires in general in the U.S. in California. Um, has seen double the amount of forest fires in the last 10 years than the previous 10 years. So, I mean, clearly something is going on. I don't know what we're doing wrong. Besides well, some people say, and I'm sorry to cut you off, some people feel that that was an intentional um, act because the, they were battling for the last um, over 10 years. It's very possible. To, you know, to, to stop the sale of the, the land, the property land, to corporations. And um, the tribe actually won. And then a week later, the Amazon is that's, fired. That's the claim, but their yeah, the official the investigation is still underway. So we'll see what happens ultimately. But um, it's very unfortunate. What I found interesting about what's, ha- what's happening in the Amazon compared to <clears throat> a lot of other <clears throat> um, tragedies that we've seen recently is I just feel like there hasn't been a lot of education and a lot of social media education on what – we can do from here or like how we can donate or how we can get involved. Um, usually when, when, you know, when <clears throat> a tragedy happens, when a tragedy happens like what, what happened in Haiti, there was like, you know, Relief, merch yeah. right away to, for people to buy and get money, you know, get money to Haiti. And I'm just curious as to what we can do as a community or how we can help from, you know, from where we are. Yeah. No, I mean, no one here is in that world of nature perverse nature preserve or anything like that but i think we need those people in those spaces to be leaders and to come forth to figure out how we can fix this problem yeah especially the fact that um 
it affects everyone. You know, every, it affects the whole world. No, it's a global it's issue. It's a global issue. Yeah. So, you know, that's the biggest um, rainforest in the world that is really under fire right now. And the fact that it took media a week to even um, give any type of headline news about it, you know, it's alarming. You know, why weren't we, you know, talking you know, we all hear, hear about the Popeye's chicken going on in the United right. States, but we didn't hear about the fire. Wait, what's that going was on with Popeye's? I know more about the Popeye's oh, chicken sandwich than I do. About I don't know about Popeye's. What's happening with Popeye's? Well, yeah, Popeye came out with a new chicken sandwich, but oh, that's she, not international yeah, news. No, no but I, but it's national news. I might, need, <laughs> I might need to go get me a Popeye's after this. Sold out, just so you know. Oh, oh sold out, okay. Well, thanks for telling me. <laughs> So, um, especially, okay, we're going to move on to the issues that's going on in Hong Kong. You know, have you guys um, heard about that? Uh, yes, Trump is taking on Hong Kong. He claims he is the one. He is the chosen one to take on Hong Kong. Um, you know, Trump really says some amazing things um, out of his mouth. I mean, nothing he says surprises me. And... Um, We'll just have to continue to further look at what he says and just further analyze him. I think, yes, there are issues there, and he does have certain points. It's just Trump's deliveries, as always, and has his own his whole presidency has been has been rough. Like how he delivers information to us and how he goes about executing, you know, what he says he's going to do. Um, but he does have some valid points in that, you know, they are beating us in a lot of areas. Um, but how do we fix that? But without being polarizing is the question. Um, if he could take some of his polarizing behavior out of his message, I think he would have such a more of an impact with the people. Yeah, he definitely needs some etiquette <laughs> training because um, the thing, like you said, his his cho- choice of words is um, is – they, they're very passive aggressive, very, you know, just not friendly. Also, with the immigration issue that's happening in this country, I feel that our president should be focusing internally during this time and not taking on more issues when we, you know, when we have people in camps that can't be connected with their families and children separated from Correct. their parents and, you know, people unable to, to get the proper information they need to, to move forward with their lives. I think it's you know, it's ill-timing. It is ill-timing. So I think if he was to focus on that, that should be a thing he's doing internally, maybe something he announces during the campaign, which he's, why I think he's doing that, because he wants to, you know, have a lot of talking points and a lot of, like a lot of check marks, you know, he's getting ready to go back on on the campaign trail and he wants to start, you know, listing out all his accomplishments during his four years here in the office. And um, I think he's just, you know, he's going to run with that during his his um, re-election process. His re-election, which we hope that um, – I would definitely hope and pray that he's not re-elected. Um, you know, we'll a lot see. of these policies – I haven't seen a strong Dem candidate yet to really take him on. Uh, it's really, you know, quite alarming. Uh, but I've yet to see a strong Democratic candidate emerge from the fray just yet. So – Right now, we just have to wait and see. But, you know, hopefully Biden, Kamala, or Bernie. There's just so many. I think a lot of them are strong candidates. I think that we're just very divided. Yeah, there's so many that's stepping up. Yeah, so hopefully one emerges from the pack and they can kill it. 
And, um, you know, how the saying goes, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. A lot of these policies have been in place since Bush. And, um. Before that. Well, yeah, before, even before Bush, but he kind of, you know, put this, this stamp on. And I'm not talking about the son, I'm talking about the father. Yeah, yeah, you know, of course. So, um, the father Bush. And Trump took his stance to, to initiate and enact these policies the way he saw fit. You know, there were there was always a lot of leg room in how we were going to deal with immigration, but he saw fit to cage people and um, you know, all the money that's going towards, you know, holding children and, and parents apart. You know, we spending more money to keep them apart than to have them actually in the country. Now well, you know, you guys spoke about some friends who, you know, um brilliant, you know, got accepted to Yale. Um, you know, what type of positive do you think immigration, you know, can have positive effects in our country? You know, are there access, uh, access, um, to our country or do you think they, you know, like they say, steal the jobs? Can't, I, well, no one can steal a job from me, but, um, first and foremost, but no, I think they should have access. I think everyone, because in return, we have fair access in their countries, you know, if we were That's to go true. over there. And so I think it should be, it should go both ways. Um, you know, I think nowadays, especially in a digital world, it's a really, a digital world it's kind of makes us a whole, a, you know, a world community. The digital platform brings, I think, all, every country together. So I think, especially in the process of where people are making money from Instagram and websites and social media. So I think in that space where everyone's competing with everybody already, I think, especially in the millennial world, we're competing with not just, you know, the United States, but like you're competing with every country, especially in the digital landscape. So I think it's fine. I think everyone should have a fair chance at everything because mm-hmm. we all have fair chances. So it's unfair for uh, someone from Mexico to come here and not have fair chances or shots and for me to be able to go to Mexico and have all the same fair shots and chances. Yeah, that's a great point. How about you, Bianca? I, th- I think that um, as, as opposed to other countries, I think that America needs to be just very transparent with its immigration policy. Everyone I've ever spoken to about immigration um, from citizens to um, people trying to apply for citizenship or visas are very confused and it doesn't seem like there's a straight answer to a lot of the things and the rules bend and you know there's a lot of money involved with actually becoming a citizen legally mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that um, just education around it so that people know what they need to do if they want to be in this country could alleviate a lot of pain yeah Especially, yeah, that's yeah. something that we need to talk about more on, on the one world fest you know, yeah immigration education Immigration education it needs to be a big point for people. I think, um, you know, a lot of times what people learn in schools are, you know, not often applied to what's happening in real life. So, I think, you know, one we should encourage going out of the country and experiencing different things and what that process is like. You know, of being once you leave America or if you're coming to America for the first time. Um, you know, versus in those other countries, they also need to do their work of prepping um, people to come here. But also, you know, it's a catch-22 question because a lot of people who are coming here are also fleeing really bad, bad situations place, yeah. and bad places. So 
there needs to be some other type of system. I don't know what that is just yet, but like for someone who's in a really bad way, like, you know, there's certain countries that are crazy and like a war zones and they need to get out of there. So like, what is the answer for those people? I mean, I don't know, but there needs some, to be some kind of plan in play for people who are escaping, you know, you know, their version of hell. Yeah. And just that the thing is, by way of Mexico, a lot of people come to the United States through Mexico. So I think the target is, um, you know, Mexico, which is so funny, is, is so much closer to us than Canada. Yeah. yeah. We are, you know, Mexico, the border of Mexico is just like crossing the street, crossing Atlantic Avenue, crossing the highway. And same in some parts of America, crossing over to Canada. But we don't, you know, bar Canadians the way we're looking at Mexicans, you know. That's alarming. No, we don't bark at the Canadians as much as we do the Mexicans. Um, I mean, a lot of that goes back to just history of, like, you know, drugs and crime. And, I mean, granted, I don't know the full history, but I know there's more history of, air quotes, Mexican drug crime and... and, um, and trafficking and all that type of stuff. I, mean, I had I had a family of, of friends from where I grew up in Pennsylvania that were Canadian and illegal immigrants, mm-hmm. and they did end up getting deported. But I think that we don't focus on Canada that much because the percentage of Canadians who are coming here illegally versus Mexicans is huge. astronomical, yeah. you know? That's a big difference. You know, a lot of times Mexico can be, not be seen as, like, you know, as many opportunities there versus Canada. I think they might have, you know, a different situation going on over there. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, especially when we take, you know, taking the... Yeah, free health care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, take those things Free health care, education, yeah. great gun laws, you know. Right. I might need to go become Canada, Canadian. Yeah, citizen. Canada's looking really great right around now. I know. If I got a surgery or something in play, I can't. I can't. It might be where it's at. And then they have a lot of um, influx of um, people who are in America illegally are going to Canada. You know, they're trying to get um, refugee status in Canada as of now. Yeah, um, I say, like, don't come here. Go to Canada. I mean, you might have a better shot at a better life. I mean, I think America is, you know, thanks to the media and, and mainly the media, we're painted as such a, like, you know, land of the free and, like, all this opportunity and hope and... Not all the time they come here and they're like, oh, this is hard. This is rough. Especially when you come to New York, it's like, you know, it's mainly like the place you you see on TV as like all this amazing things happening. And then they get here, it's like, oh, man, there's like rats and like garbage on the street everywhere. Um, being from Pennsylvania, Bianca, quick question. When the first time you came to New York, was it like you imagined it like from like watching movies and like TV shows and whatnot? Yeah, no, it definitely was. Um, the first time I came to New York, though, I saw like Times Square, and it looked, you know, in the plaza, and it looked very accurate. It wasn't until I moved to New York that I actually uh, had a better understanding for... Like what it's really like. <laughs> how disgusting New York is. And beautiful, but, you know, yeah, for sure. but, you know, has its moments. And what do you guys have to... Uh, what do you think about... Um, the, it was in the headlines where 600 immigrants were, um, you know, arrested at a chicken plant, you know. So what do you guys, if you guys have anything to say about that, what do you guys have? 
Um, wow. <laughs> this is crazy. Like, you know, why they had a chicken plant? First, like, what does a chicken plant look like? Well, um, supposedly, um, that the, the company was sued for some, um, discrimination. The employees actually won like a multi-million dollar settlement. Okay. And then here come ICE, you know, so, you know, we don't know if that's, you know, correlation, but, you know, we do know that 600 people were detained. Not all of them were um, actually deported, but, you know, more than 600 people were detained by ICE in one day. That's crazy. I mean, that seems personal, whatever that situation was. I don't know if it's like a direct immigration issue. Um, was any was any statement released um, <clears throat> from the owner of the of the? No, actually, um, it was you know, yeah. really quiet was- silence from the owners because it, it wasn't only um, that plant. I think it was like two plants that they have. They know there's a lot of immigration on work workers there. Right. And um, that was a big thing. That was a question that I asked, like, why aren't these um, corporations being um, fined and or, right. and or jailed, you know, for doing so? What are the ramifications or financial responsibility of the corporations that are employing these people? And why are they not being made an example of if, if they don't, if, if, um, if our president doesn't want illegals to work here? I mean, it really depends on, like, what type of employee they are. Like, there's contractors, as you know, who aren't entitled to benefits and rights, per se, unless you're part of a union. And 600 people doing anything is a large operation. It's a very large operation. Yes. So, but yeah. then Especially these, when yeah. our president uh, is so gun hold on, you know, stopping immigration and, you know, stopping them from working. But you also think about how much taxes these people are actually paying. Well, I suspect the company owners are very friends with, you know, government officials and lobbyists and all types of things to where they made, someone made a phone call and ICE showed up. So I think, one, the lawsuit came in play and then once they won the million dollars, I think that's when I think last resort came and he made a phone call. Maybe. Yeah. I think he definitely knew the owners, not he or he, she, like whoever the collective amount of owners are, um, they knew they had a ton of illegal workers and was, you know, when you do that, you can pay people less money and all that type of stuff and pay them, you know, half to work for labor, cheap labor, um, which is commonly done by a lot of people, uh, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, once they got together to sue him, I, I think he, they didn't seem to see you coming, and he called ICE. And I, I like what Bianca said. I think um, they need to be made an example of and held oh, accountable yeah. um, for for what they're doing, you know, especially the owners of the companies. You know, um, he needs to be taken to trial, pub, you know, in court and also public trial. He needs to be brought attention by the media. The thing is, too, illegal immigrants can't work unless someone employs them and unless someone pays them. That's another great point. You know, if the jobs aren't there and people aren't willing to have them work, you know, they wouldn't wouldn't be here working. Um, With New York being a sanctuary state, kind of like we are our own country, our own island, and we don't really go by um, some of the laws that the president has imposed across the United States. How do you think that better assists the, um, the immigrants here in New York City? That's so funny. That's like one of like the funny things you learn growing up. Once you like become an adult, and you realize like 
like each state have their own individual like laws that they have like the governor and the mayor they have like basically their own government systems which is like when I started to grow up and like learn about you know different politics and laws and whatnot I'm like okay so there's a death penalty there but not a death penalty here and you can drink there you can buy cigarettes there but you can buy cigarettes here and then prostitution is legal there but not legal here so it's like it's very interesting as you grow up and you learn the individual laws of each different state in that they they can almost do what they want to do but like kind of don't have to answer to the president the president it's it's interesting and especially with you bianca being that you know you grew up in pennsylvania and now you're a new yorker um how do you feel this the states differ especially in regards to immigration um, I, I think that that America is such a large country compared to, you know, a lot of our other first world countries like Europe and things like that, that having some some individualized government based on the region does make sense. Um, I think that, you know, New York being one of one of the better places, but in terms of immigration, I I find it strange that one place could be a sanctuary and then if you cross three miles you're no longer safe i think that that should be addressed on a more national level i don't think it makes sense uh by the state no it doesn't make sense at all well it's more about the um the voters um this is why we preach so much at one world fest about local government yeah and you know educating the next generation how important local you know local politics are, you know, are to us. And because the community, you know, that we have now, you know, we, a lot of us are descendants of or first generation removed from immigrants. And, you know, some of our parents, not myself, but a lot of parents did come, you know, like we all say, came off the boat, came here from Cuba, came here from um, South America, Haiti, um, Jamaica, the Carib Islands, and, you know, their, their children are here, and now their children are actually the politicians yeah. that we are seeing that are um, in office now. So that's, you know, has I think that has, a you know, a, a large um, thing to do with how New York City became a sanctuary state. Because, of course, if, you know, I'm... Um, if I'm assembly member or council member and I know my my mother or my grandparents came from another country and can be you know, have a fear of being deported because, you know, the policies change, yeah, we'll make sure New York is a sanctuary state. Whereas in Pennsylvania you may have less, you know, um immigrants that came or living in Pennsylvania, or less um, people who come from immigration status or have immigration status that are in politics. No, yeah, it makes sense based on that, you know, explanation. But from an outside point of view, I'm sure to another country, it's like, wait, so the one within the one country, there's different laws depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. So from an outside perspective, I'm sure it looks a little bit weird. Well, from an inside experience, I get you know, it, yeah. We definitely don't um, know sometimes, especially you, it, it comes down to like little things as far as even driving, you know. Yeah. Um, you could turn right on um to left on red or right on red mm-hmm. in certain places and then you try to do that in Brooklyn, you know, you're getting pulled over. You I know, know even like jaywalk. Right. I think I jaywalked in LA and almost got a ticket. Yeah, they they, they <laughs> take that, you know, really seriously they in do. California. It's crazy. Um, I want to ask you guys a question. What's the first time you left the country 
And in how did you feel your perception of, how did you feel that country's perception of Americans were at the time when you were in such a country? Okay, I'll let Bianca answer. Um. So the first time you left the country, and then how did you think those people looked at America at the time? The first time I left the country, I was very young, but the first time where I can definitely say I experienced leaving the country, I went with family to visit Italy, and um, Italians' opinions based on the time, and this was about 2010, of Americans were not very good, but of New Yorkers was very, very high. Being a New Yorker in another country, especially a European country, is a certain gives you a certain type of cachet that being an American definitely does not. And I agree with that. Um, I've only um, really went to the Carib Islands, Jamaica, or before. I never. I really want to travel more. As soon as I get my daughter, she gets up going to college. Then you know the world is mine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think, um, like she said, when they in everywhere, not only you know other countries, but even in America, you know, you say you're from New York, you're from Brooklyn, you get a you know kind of welcome back and yeah a little respect a little more respect but the 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 look or they give when they find you american you know one thing is like you know they they expect us to have a lot of money sometimes the intelligent level they really think that we are very stupid and some of us are um they always trying to you know pull some type of game you know once they you know realize that you're american and um but when they when you you tell them you're from New York, they're like, Oh, okay, I can't pull can't fool this person. But I think that's um a lot to do with um, you know, how they look at Americans. You know, you have money to spend and you don't know how to spend it and we can swindle you out of your money. But, you know, I think they really definitely look down on Americans. And American tourists are generally very demanding. Yeah. I mean, have you seen a resort? Yeah, they're very demanding. Um, I think the first the first time I went out the country was with my parents. We went to Greece for my cousin's wedding, and um, I, I was seventeen. I think this was like two thousand and seven, um, and the perception of Americans were, you know, lazy, fat. Um, um, they call it lazy fat Americans and but like like you said before, being from New York, there's a certain level of cachet because New York is such an international melting pot. Um as whereas if I said oh, I was from Texas they'd be like, Oh, hee haw, you know. Um, but because I'm from New York, you know, they're like, Oh, okay, you're cool, we get it. Like, you know, you know, you have a there's a certain level of international already on you say just being from New York. And that's um, actually, that's the way we, um, New Yorkers are. We are a melting pot of different nationalities. Um, here, you know, we have Little Italy. We have Chinatown. Um, you know, we have places where it's just predominantly Spanish Harlem, places that's predominantly um, Indian. Um, we even have little areas where just Muslims are. And, you know, you, you can just go for a radius of 10 blocks down and, you know, whole different demographic uh, nationalities. And, you know, we all come together. Again, the biggest thing is we come together for festivals, for music, food, the thing, all the things that One World Fest is um, basically about. And um, this is how we get to know each other. You know, you go to any festival in New York City, you're going to see a different, you know, different foods. You're going to hear different music. And you're going to see different people. 
or just, you know, taking a walk down Manhattan, you know. No, yeah, what is it? In Little Italy, San Janeiro? San Janeiro Festival. Yeah, Festival. Yeah, Festival. Yeah. Even, like, we, I think we went there recently, and it was just very diverse, melting mm-hmm. pot of people, even though it's traditionally more Italian-American uh, festival. But um, there was loads of types of people. There was everyone was there. I mean, in New York, think about how many races of people you see every day interact with, get to learn I, I about, even experience, count. Yeah. have the opportunity to try the food, have an opportunity to hear the music, compared to anywhere else in America, really. Which Queens why, being the most diverse, yeah, the most place diverse city in, in America. The, no, in the world. In the world. Yeah, yeah. And it's the biggest um, borough. You know, the biggest yeah. borough. It's the most diverse city in the world, and. Um, but borough, because you know Queens is a borough. Yeah, borough. Sorry, <laughs> uh, borough. Let's see, that's a, a dumb American uh, <laughs> mentality coming in. Um, it's so funny. Recently, I went to Indianapolis and was just not as diverse as New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, for the first time, I realized why President Trump won. Um, when I was there, I felt like. Those people have felt forgotten. Like they felt very rural. Didn't feel like a booming city. Didn't feel like there was no energy to it. Um, it was just like super. Like you know, it was just like there's nothing going on here. The, the economy, like I mean, we have like two restaurants that reminded me of New York the most. But it was just like almost felt like a ghost town in a way. Indianapolis is a, a big city. But, in, in, but compared to New York, it felt like a ghost town. And I went to the Indy 500, and it was just, like, so many, like, MAGA hats and just, like, you could felt these people, like, felt, they felt forgotten, and, they, and they're angry about it. So it was just weird, like, I'm just, like, how do we go forward as a country in spilling what New York has over to the rest of the states of America? I think... So the challenge I think the next few generations have is figuring out how to make every city in America a bustling city. Make it more diverse. Yeah. And I think that's what we will be, um, you know, the next 20, 25 years. You know, the, the face of, you know, every city is going to change. Yeah. Especially with the... Well, it needs to if they want to continue to be places that people want to go and live. Everyone just can't live here. I mean, New York is already crowded enough. Um, so we have to figure out how to create other, uh, in, um, enticing opportunities for other states for people to go to. I mean, it's just, it's crazy for think that everyone just can be in here, LA, New York, Texas, Chicago. It's just not going to work. And, uh, that's what they say gentrification is about. Yeah. You know? Um, they feel gentrification is bringing more diversity to major cities. Um, and, some people differ, you know, with their opinion on what gentrification does. But if we do see that a lot of states that are gentrifying, um, you know, we're getting people from all over the world coming into those cities, especially with the, you know, the age of technology changing and things are happening in that, in that, you know, in that way. So if you want to flip the coin to see what side of gentrification is good, what side is bad, then you can say, you know, there's a major importance that these cities start diversifying. And how gentrification allows that, you know, to happen. Well, it's hard to do that if there's, like, no opportunities there. Like, there needs to be some type of plan to entice, I think, even bigger companies. Like, say, like, if, like, an Amazon goes to 
Kentucky or something like that or North Dakota. Like, who is in North Dakota? Do, do you know anyone from North Dakota? I don't. Do no. you know someone from North Dakota? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is anybody going to North Dakota? Um, so there needs to be, we have to figure out. I think the government needs to help, and some everyone needs to come together to figure out the plan to like figure out where is everyone going to be staying at. Because it's just too much, I think, in all in, in different cities. And again, it goes back to uh, immigration issues. Um, you know, people coming over here to for on working visas and just staying. Yeah. You know, and again, you know, you brought some light to because you know, when I was ready to talk about immigration, I was thinking purely about the black and brown um, communities that are being affected. But I never really thought because I've never heard those stories about um, people from Poland people from Canada, you know, who actually had to deal with um, real-life immigration issues um, or the amount of money or the education that comes, you know, with applying for immigration status. So, you know, just with that that information that I have now, you know, that's what we're really going to be dealing with, a lot more people, um, not just people from Mexico, but people from all over the world fighting to come here. To, and then staying here, whether they have visas or entering the um, country illegally, um, you know. So that's going to be a big thing that we may have to be dealing with for the next twenty-five years. Oh yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to be dealing with it for the next twenty-five years. Um, I can't even I can't even begin to think what that dealing like will be, like and how that how the government is going to handle that. But you know, the people are here; they're here already. Um, they don't plan on going anywhere. They some of them have jobs, and um, you know they're just trying to figure it out. Okay, so we're winding down to the last two minutes. Of Already, time yeah. yeah, it went by so fast, so fast. You know, again, I want to thank you, Brittany, for coming on coming on the show. Um, oh, Bianca, Bianca, <laughs> hey, Brittany, Bianca. hey, Brittany, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Bianca, so <laughs> for coming on the show and. Helping us out, you know, and um, just engaging in a conversation. Um, and give us some of your background and, you know, some of your stories, especially the, you know, great story about your personal friends who had to, you know, get married just to be able to have, um, you know, stay in the country. And for the record, they they didn't get married just to stay in the country. They both married out of love, but out of love. yeah, they just happened to come. love of this country. Yeah, it came just their newfound marriages happened. Well, to come you know, up. no, they actually yeah. they don't play yeah. no games. They want to make sure that that's not you know. A, a yeah, toy. for sure. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I don't want them to get investigated. They're actually yeah. married out of love. Yeah, like my best friend, you know, has um, she been with her husband. They've been married for about seven, eight years, but they've been together for maybe um, 12, 13 years. And he's just now getting his working, you know, working papers. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, they, they make people wait sometimes five to seven years before they even do an interview. So it's not, you know, something that you could just jump, get married, and you're, you're a citizen. No, it doesn't right. work that way. But, again, um, we're counting down to the last um, couple of seconds. Um, well, th- thank you so much, Nat, for uh, filling in. Yeah, it's a great time I had today. And again, you know, you can log on to we say what they can't dot com. We are one world fest radio dot global. Yes, check out the website. Donate to the cause. We have a lot of great things coming up. 
One World Fest Global Festival is coming 2020. 2020. We'll, um, we are all three of us are going to be there. Um, so you guys should be there with us. It's going to be a big thing. I can't announce all the things that are happening there because I'm not allowed to know. But um, there are going to be a lot of cool things happening. I'm sure performances and food and all types of fun stuff. And remember, you can always go to the site OneWorldFest.Global. Thank you. Peace. Love.